Hello, yes, Sternhausen here. You're listening to Wrestling Cheers. Listen to the full thing or be cursed. Also, like and subscribe or whatever may have you and be cursed. Or be cursed, whatever. Taking your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to go where you can see that troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially during spooky season. This is Wrestling Cheers. We like to talk about things going on with these about independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. Well, technically not going to be talking about any of that, just going to be talking about a little bit of horror movies. I'm your host, Justin Summers, and Wrestling Cheers is brought to you by Midwest Territory. Please rate, review, and subscribe your ever listen to this fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, or Podbean, WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Cheers, Twitter.com slash Wrestling Cheers, and Instagram.com. Slash wrestling cheers email if you so choose to desire wrestling cheers at gmail.com. Like I said, we're gonna be talking about some uh, horror movies just in general, and of course, I'm talking horror movies. I gotta have on Stacy. Hey man, how's it going? Going good. Uh, yeah, I figured we can talk about horror movies because yeah, I don't really have anything planned like interview wise. There's no shows coming. Well, preview next week. That'll be rather fun. than rather than take an easy week off. You're still giving the people content. Look at you summers. Yeah. Uh, I got some weeks that I want to take off. So I'm going to like save those. Got you. And I've been, I've been watching a lot the of man, horror movies. The man only gives you so many vacation days, huh? Yeah. I am the man. I know. Fuck him. But I've been watching a lot of horror movies and I, I need an excuse to talk about them. Right on. What have you been watching, man? Uh, well, the theme that we've been doing for this year is, uh, watching, Horror movies that either neither of us have seen or just one of us haven't seen. And so far, we've only been going with movies that we've owned. Um, there's some like on streaming and some that we could buy, but we haven't necessarily gone that far yet because we had at least decent amount that maybe we plan to watch another year and haven't got around to it or yeah. all that kind of shit. So it's like we have a good amount that we can still sit down and watch. That's cool. So you're just kind of going through your own collection and filling in holes where there are things that you probably should have seen already. Oh That's yeah. Cool. And there, there's some that are, uh, f- fairly, uh, big, like, uh, Oh man, that movie is not a horror movie. I realized <laughs> that he like turns into a little kid into an adult. But that's not. <laughs> uh, I, I did have a friend that tried to make an explanation why Napoleon dynamite's a horror movie. Oh, I don't remember the ins and outs of it. Cause I will not watch that movie. So I didn't, oh, I didn't bother. Okay. I didn't bother paying attention. Got you. Got you. Yeah. I figured there's, I mean, there's a way you can make anything like you can flip it to like, oh man, actually it was a, you know, whatever you want to like my favorite. One of those things is, have you seen the, whoever it was that recut, um, the Mrs. Doubtfire trailer to make it a horror movie. I feel like I have, but I don't remember it, but the idea sounds like I've seen something of it. it. It's on YouTube. Just go oh, watch yeah. it. Um, uh, but yeah, so like, yeah, you can, there's a way that you can flip anything to make it 
seem like a horror movie or like it could have been people people can read all kinds of silly shit into stuff i watched a, a fucking guy just this weekend the quick to put together his fucking rant on youtube about how uh the dude who was in charge of these Halloween movies, uh, these last three, mimicked the crowd reaction to each of the original three movies. And, like, it's so wisely planned out that, like, the reaction to ends is like the reaction was to three, but it didn't copy it and, like, not be about it, but it did. And, like, dude spent, like, it, it was, like, fucking psychopath shit that this dude yeah. put all that together so quick like stop it stop it there was no like i refuse to believe that there's some like higher art idea that he like predicted reactions to these movies no they made some fucking movies some of them weren't very good like it happens yeah it sounds like a yeah. lot of hoops to jump through yeah man making a movie's really difficult i'm surprised any of them are good one of the the first movies we watched this year and it's like it's definitely somewhat of a staple but the thing i like about it it's not it's not a huge horror movie like there's some that are way bigger but still a big name and that's the lost boys oh the lost boys is i think it's still i just watched it like it was on tv it was one of those things where like something else ended Mm -hmm. and the lost boys started and somehow that trick still works where I'll just be like, oh, yeah, well, I'll just watch, like, the first five minutes of this. And then, like, an hour later, you're like, well, there's only a fucking 20 minutes of this movie left. I might as well finish it. You know, like, yeah. the, the thing that happens after, like, it usually happens after, like, a fucking football game ends or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I just watched Lost Boys the other day. It, it holds up, mostly. I was about to say, for a movie that is as big as it is. Like, it's not a Friday the 13th, it's not Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's still, like, a recognizable name. I knew very little about the movie. There are other movies I could never have seen, but I have heard enough about it that I can piece some things together, and when I'm watching it, I'm just connecting the dots of, like, anything that I missed. The only thing I knew going in was uh, the Corys were in it and vampires. That's it. And like Lost Boys, so like the thing you have to remember about it is it is one of the few examples of where it happened more. It happened a lot like in the late 90s, early 2000s with with like a slasher side to it. But a big part of of Lost Boys was it was like a teen movie, right? It was Mm -hmm. sort of made to appeal to that demographic, like the people who would have been into the Corys. You know what I mean? Like. If you look at the dudes who were the vampires, you've got a pretty big star and a dude who became a very niche star in that same time period in that group, you know, with Alex Winter and Kiefer Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's that movie specifically, like the fact that it is still held kind of in the regard that it is speaks to how well it was made because it was really just designed to be like you know, throw away teen movie to grab some dollars. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the fact that it survives and like licensed to drive doesn't have a giant <laughs> fan base uh, says something about that time period. Like, you know, in the, in the effort that went into making Lost Boys uh, a little bit better than it probably was meant to be. And being able to watch it this many years later, like still got a lot of enjoyment out of it. 
Right. One well, Lost Boys is one of those great things that you can, you know, if you're concerned about, like, especially if you're trying to show shit to like your kid or, or like, you know, a kid, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of like, what can they handle as far as horror goes at certain ages? Uh, Lost Boys is a great entry point uh, for like a, a preteen, I think. Um, you could probably have watched the Lost Boys, and it'll be maybe scary to them. Although, who knows? Kids now have access to fucking crazy shit. Um, so, you know, I don't know what a twelve-year-old is really seeing or what that entry point looks like. I guess so well, but uh, there was a time certainly where Lost Boys was a, a good like place to put a toe into the water. Stuff like it, and like Monster Squad. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. Those are like that next step up from like seeing like a Garfield Halloween special, you know, like, oh, well, I've seen a Treehouse of Horror and a couple of Garfield things in this fucking Disney Halloween Town movie. Oh, and now I'm going to see the Lost Boys. Yeah, I would think like a big difference of the time, of like just kids watching those type of movies is uh, compare the video games then to Five Nights at Freddy's now. Well, yeah, man, but so that, I mean, that's a technological difference too, though. I mean, there were, when I was a kid, there were horror video games, there were spooky games, um, there was shit that wasn't even supposed to be spooky in some games that was, you know what I mean? We had like Castlevania and shit, just didn't have good graphics because nothing did. I think the only game that ever scared me was, uh, for the Super Nintendo, it was Dungeon Master, which is like a first person point of view game and like for me like i'd never really experienced that and like how to play it i had no idea and then when i learned walking around and i when i first came up to like enemies which some of them are like skeletons and like how the pace that they walk like it kind of like scared me a bit but yeah that that's true but i was saying like even like horror video games have have gone a long way to where oh the vastly different a horror video game now is like playing a movie yeah uh, the first, I remember how mind blowing it was to me at like I think it was probably like seventeen or eighteen when Resident Evil came out, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is like being in a zombie movie. This doesn't even feel like playing a video game. This is amazing." And then like a year or two later, Silent Hill came out and blew my fucking mind again. Uh, yeah, those were like to me those were like huge stepping points. Yeah, especially for like horror video games. I think as a whole, I've never really got into horror video games. Like the only one that I, I can really say that I played and it was just more recent thing. And that was, uh, the Friday the 13th game. Oh, dude, but that's also the one that I've played the most. Mm -hmm. And I don't play that many video games because that game was fucking great. Yeah. Uh, that was like, that is the best horror video game that has ever been made. That Friday the 13th multiplayer game fucking rules. And it's a shame that, you know, business bullshit got in the way of that thing continuing what could have been uh, fucking really cool. And it seems like those same dudes or some of them, some of those folks uh, are involved in this Texas Chainsaw game. So hopefully it's every bit as good as that was. There's also a Killer Clowns game. So I've heard, I think I did hear about the killer clowns game. I don't remember hearing about the Texas chainsaw game. Yeah. There's a, there's a Texas chainsaw game that's coming. That's almost exactly like that Friday, the 13th game, like 
there there have been a couple of times if you look in the pod van dam discord there have been a couple of times where i think like josh and maybe butters have posted links to stuff it looks good looks like it'll be fun i'll own it uh the one i haven't heard much about is the killer clowns i don't know if it's out or if it's coming out or, or what the, the deal with it is but i feel like i heard something about it a couple weeks ago but i don't remember what i heard yeah, it doesn't matter. I can't have it on on our Xbox. So why is that? Oh, dude, there's zero. Ch- I'm, I'm, I would never get to play it. Like I can't run the risk of Pam walking in while I'm playing fucking Killer Clowns game. Can't happen. She's terrified. Wouldn't work. No, there's no clown shit in our house. I managed to get away with watching the movie for the first time, uh, and she came home in the middle of it and was kind of fine with it because it was just more like, oh, you're not home. Or she's not home. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this movie, and I think she came home from work like right in the middle of it. Yeah, she uh, like we'll be looking through fucking shit to watch on a streaming service, and if that if that cover is there or it or Terrifier, I don't know if Terrifier's on anything, but that or there's that other shitty clown, whatever that one is. There's a bunch of those shitty clown movies, but if any of that shit is there on screen, I gotta like hurry up and slide past it real quick. Yeah. Like if I leave it stuck on that screen for a minute, she'll be like, "Dude, can you move? Can you move the screen?" <laughs> like, what? as she's like not as she's not looking at it, like her head turned. It's real fear. Like it's wild. I don't know that I'm afraid of anything the way she's afraid of fucking clowns. Amanda's that kind of that way with clowns. It all depends what. Like I did have a thing where I had her sit down and watch. Uh, the it miniseries and then we went to the theater to watch uh both of the recent ones oh dude well if she watched all that shit she's definitely not afraid of clowns not the way pam is she her like i'm just i'm just out in all pam's business to the public <laughs> i guess that's fucking i guess y'all know now so everybody come to the aiw show dressed as a clown make it pam's personal fucking nightmare forever come dress as a clown or a bottle of ranch dressing uh, the, the others that's the, whatever but no the, the clown thing is clown thing is real i think maybe with amanda she's gotten more used to it like when we when we watch it in the movie theater anytime like pennywise would show up she would like bury her head in my arm Ooh, well i mean that's definitely fear reaction yeah and then there was the time where uh we went to the drive-in to watch some movies. I can't exactly remember what they were, but it was of the rare time that they were doing a triple feature. And the last movie was it chapter one. And we'd, we'd watched the first two and like, that's where we were staying there for. And then I like purposely stayed there for the beginning of it. And like, she was bawling crying. And then I had to be like, all right, like we're, we'll go, we'll go home. Like um, we're done. Well, that's a dick move, man. You stayed and fucking made her cry. Come on now. Well, when she's definitely when she got to the crying part, I was like, all right, like we'll go home because I just wanted to watch up into uh, when Georgie gets his arm bit off. Spoiler. See, I don't. I don't think those it movies were bad. They're they're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have never felt the need to go back and watch them again. I'm. I don't know. I think I'm that way with like most horror movies. Of I don't know when i'll go back and watch them some uh maybe i like it enough to go back and rewatch it like potentially multiple times or if there's some sort of like uh i don't want to say ritual but like a tradition type thing for a saw like i used to do like i'd rewatch mm-hmm. 
all the Saw movies coming up, going up to the uh, release. Other than that, like, and all just depends. Like, I would like I'd rewatch Trick or Treat. I think that's a fun fucking movie. Uh, I I think almost every year I rewatch Halloween three. But there's other movies that I don't know if I could like 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 it. Be like, oh, I'm in the mood to watch it. It has to be like a good gap in between viewings where I'm like, yeah, I haven't seen this in a while. Let me sit down and watch it. I don't know, man. And this isn't me being like uh, a purist to that TV movie version or anything, but like the new one is the new one is fine. And it's certainly a better quality movie movies uh, than that TV series was. But I just think that Tim Curry better. (laughs) He was just better. The movie's not better, uh, but I just think he was. And for that movie that's kind of what matters to me so if i were going to rewatch it i would rewatch the tv one but it's solely for the the version of pennywise and i guess probably nostalgia because it's the one that i watched when i was a kid yeah you know i've there's like a good debate on like which pennywise is better and like going by certain aspects of it i think with the movie's more accurate to the book yeah so it's and it's definitely more like Pennywise itself is more scary because that's the point of him, but clowns aren't supposed to be scary. So that's where like Tim Curry gets uh, an advantage, but it's also, there's some like really weird things that in like his part where it's just like, all right, that's like too silly. Like uh, the library scene. Part- yeah. I, I, but part of that's what I think is the, the charm to the Tim Curry version. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I it's it's you know everybody's going to have a different opinion. Yeah. When it comes to that stuff. I they're fun. I don't know that I, there is a big draw for me to watch either version. You know what I mean? I, it's just not a it, it would never be my first choice. I think like, what, it was like hey, we're going to watch a movie. I would never be like, you know what we should watch? Fucking 3 hours of it. <laughs> Well, I'll, that's kind of where I was about to go. Of like, okay, you got the three hours of that one, but then also the combined. If you want to sit down and watch both of the other, like, I don't know exactly what it adds up to, but I'm going to guarantee it's more than three hours. Probably it's probably close to four, if not, but yeah, if not more. But yeah, well, yeah. I mean, have you ever read that book? It's it's very thick. There's a lot of pages <laughs> to that book. Very very thick. Yeah, but never read it. But I, I've I've seen it enough to go like, yeah, that's a big ass fucking book. It's large. Stephen King was known for large, large books. My teenage years were, my arms got stronger from holding Stephen King books while I read them. <laughs> that and The Stand were heavy, like hardcover versions of those books were fucking big. A big book. This is like an ideal size for a book to be to read it. Those aren't that size. No, yeah, they're fucking huge. And you, like you mentioned, like like when it comes to like length of movies, because I know that sometimes like that will determine what I watch. There is one Halloween movie or one poor movie that we've been wanting to watch for a couple years, but like we literally have to set aside like close to five hours to watch the whole thing. And what I what movie are you trying to watch? Uh, it is one of my favorite Stephen King movies. I think I've only sat down to watch it twice and that is Rose red. Oh, cause it was a TV series. So yeah. it's longer. Yeah. Like, it was a mini series. Like, like stand or yeah, even, even on the the DVD version is like two discs to watch it all, and the VHS is obviously two VHS tapes, right? 
Which yeah, I don't know if I ever watched that one. I think I had tapped out on the Stephen King stuff by the time that one was on TV because those had there were like diminishing returns from the jump on those. Like it was really good. <laughs> And then, well, as good, the best TV had ever been. You know what I mean? At yeah. that time, like it was really good. And then it was like, I think the next one was sometimes they come back and that was good enough. But like the bar had been higher. Like Stephen King should have been, I guess the first TV one was Salem's Lot. But people don't think about Salem's Lot as having been a TV movie because I think most people saw it on VHS. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm video store rental in the 80s and 90s but the the Stephen King movies had all been really high profile prior to that you know like Carrie and Cujo and uh to a much lesser extent Silver Bullet but then it happens and then I like I said I think the next one was sometimes they come back and then it, it like dips back there's this weird like thing where like occasionally a Stephen King thing would be in the theaters but most of the time it would just be on ABC. Mm-hmm. But like somewhere in there is needful things in the theater. And that one was still like a watchable movie. Pet Cemetery, I guess, is probably like the actual pinnacle in the 80s. Pet Cemetery and it happened really close to each other. Yeah. And Stand By Me. So, yeah, you've got all that like high quality movies in the 80s. And then in the 90s, it's a lot of like. Dolores Claiborne <laughs> I don't know like thinner what's the one the Tommy knockers like that none of that shit was at that same level I so mean kind of I think they lost a lot he lost a lot of like that built-in audience through that time period so by the time the one you dig thing it could be really good you, is that the one that's in the hospital you said no uh Rose Red is like in a mansion and if if, okay. I, if I remember it correctly, like the layout of the mansion, like randomly changes. Okay. Like I haven't sat down to watch it in maybe about 12 years. And before that, it might've been about uh, five or so. Cause like the first time I saw that, uh, it was a rental. I was hanging out with some friends and it was just like, just as I had stopped by that, like they had threw the movie and I was like, all right, you know, I'll sit down and watch it. And obviously, like, how long that, like, fucking movie is like, to a point of, like, we had to take out disc one and put in disc two. Right. And, like, realizing, like, oh, yeah, this is a long fucking movie. But yeah. uh, even when I rewatched it, ho- however long ago, it was the same kind of thing. So now, like, I really want to sit down and rewatch it because it's been so long. I don't f- remember as much. But being able to be like, all right, we have five hours. Do we want to watch Rose Red or do we want to watch two or three other movies? Right. And a lot of times those right. two or three other movies could seem more filling just because we watched three instead of one long one. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that I fall into a, a thing with, with that. Oh, and by the way, I just, while you, while you were saying that, I also thought, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because Stephen King movies kind of started at their pinnacle with the shining. And then it yeah. all kind of went, de- <laughs> it's like a little, a downward slope basically with a little bump in the middle <laughs> and then just keeps going down. Uh, and he even tried remaking that motherfucker. Yeah. That's, you don't need to do that. Um, he hated that movie though. He Stephen King didn't like that movie at all. Like famously fucking hated it. And that's why he championed having the, the second version of it happen. That was, I think like a, wasn't it like a TV movie with the guy from Wings? Yep. 
Yeah. Um, and Stephen King thought that one was fucking great because it followed the book mm-hmm. more closely. And technically, I think Dr. Sleep is more of a sequel to that movie than it is the Kubrick movie. Uh, as far as at least as far as story, you know what I mean? Uh, but the, the fucking Kubrick movie was a Kubrick movie. Kubrick didn't give a fuck about Stephen King. <laughs> Once yeah. it was his to make a movie out of, he was going to make the kind of movie he makes. Fuck it. Who's, who's going to tell Kubrick that he can't, right? Yeah, unfortunately, Steve Weber isn't uh, Jack Nicholson. No, he sure isn't. He's it's, not even the third most famous guy from the cast of Wings. <laughs> I had to, like, Google the name real quick because I thought it was Steven Weber, but I couldn't remember if it was, was Steve Weber, Steve uh, Weber. But yeah, I, I, I was impressed either way that you remotely knew his name. I didn't. I couldn't remember that dude's name. Shit. I can't remember the name of the dude from Monk that was on Wings. Oh, Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Half of the reason why I remember his name is when we first got our first family computer, which was like 97, I want to say. We ended, we had some like computer disc that had him on it. It was like maybe like teaching you how to use the web or whatever. But I remember seeing Tony the, Shalhoub teaches you how to use no, the internet. No, Steve Webb, oh, Stephen Weber. Oh, <laughs> Steve Weber. Yeah. So seeing his name so many times, like I remember that. Yeah. Now to see that sounds like a logical career path for Steve Weber is Wings co-star to uh, introduction to your PC instructional video. Um, not Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub had like a little bit of a career. And what's that other dude's name? The dude that was in the Spider-Man movie. Fuck, I forget his name. I knew you were going to bring him up because that is like the other big name from Wings. Of course, when I, I Google Wings, uh, not just the show pops up. I should have figured that out. Wrong move. What you got to do? Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church. That's who it is. I guess he probably is the most successful guy from Wings. Tony Shalhoub is probably the most name recognition. but Yeah. Thomas Hayden Church was in way better shit. Like he's like a he's like a legitimate actor. I feel like Wings is like a really popular show, but uh, who n- not remember R J like, City? Like <laughs> I don't know. I rem- I remember the show. People will still like talk about it, but it it's nowhere on the radar of actual like big shows. No, because it wasn't. Like it really, it wasn't like a huge show. I mean, it was on. NBC so mm-hmm. I mean but it wasn't that wasn't like a wings wasn't like a big thing I don't even know how long it was on TV not long I don't think uh it had just been a few years well it had 172 episodes 1990 to like, 97 huh well he was on it for five years mm-hmm. 100, 123 episodes looks like he might not have but been in the dude, last season or two that dude was in two great movies one of them bringing us back around to what you wanted to talk about which is horror movies he was in tombstone which isn't a horror movie but it's a fucking great movie and he was in uh tales from the crypt demon knight which i fucking love that movie i've never seen the tales from the crypt movies oh man you got to so the 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 second one you don't have to the second one bordello of blood is whatever it's fine it's But it's like Dennis Miller. It's just, it's not. But Demon Knight is fucking good. Demon Knight's a good movie. Demon Knight was like the the first attempt and they knew they had to do a good job. And it, like, 
it is a higher quality production than like an episode of Tales from the Crypt would be. Uh, Billy Zane's really fucking good in it. It's Demon Knight. It has a good soundtrack. Uh, Demon Knight is good. I will I will not hear slander on Demon Knight. It is, is a good movie. You should, if you haven't watched it, you should put that in your list of things to watch. If not for this year, just like in general. Yeah. Cause that's, Oh, there's, there's no time of year for tales from the crib demon night. You can watch that shit <laughs> outside of October. It's, it's acceptable. I'd actually want to sit down and rewatch a lot of the tales from the crypt. I loved that. I, show. Did, I did it. A few, I did it a few years ago. It's great. Uh, it's the one show. It seemed there's so many things that seem like these easy, knock one out of the park fucking moves that never happen. And I, it makes me wonder who, how people get in charge of this shit at companies and how they fail. Um, because it seems like the easiest thing that they could have done. Like when DVDs and even now like Blu-rays are still a thing, but like physical media is not where it was. But like when DVDs were big, right? They put out the tales from the crypt seasons on DVD mm-hmm. and it seemed to me like the easiest money grab would have been to just make a fucking coffin and put all of the fucking seasons in it and sell it as the fucking series. Right. Yeah. Or, or make a giant fucking crypt keeper head that opens up and then you've got all the fucking discs inside of it. Like they did with that fucking iron maiden Eddie, you know, you rem- have you ever seen those? It was no. like a giant plastic Iron Maiden Eddie bust and it opens up and it's got all the fucking Iron Maiden albums on the inside of it. Like they could have done like those li- because if you remember like in the 2000s, those like limited edition packaging things were huge. Like I have a copy of Big Lebowski that came in a bowling ball. Yeah, uh, yeah I used to love that shit. Yeah, they never did that with Tales from the Crypt. And I don't know if it's because it's like a weird shared ownership with Fox and Warner Brothers, HBO, whatever, um, or, or, or what the deal with it is. But yeah, it, it, it only got like weird, semi-shitty DVD releases. But I, I rewatched it a couple of years ago. It's fantastic, man. It's one of the best shows that was ever on television. It's got the DVD releases, but I think what they were going for. Cause like I had to like Google it real quick. Eventually I do need to, I want to buy this entire set, but it looks like with at least just the spine or me a little bit with the cover too, they went more of the, the comic book approach. Yeah. that's what they did. Yeah. But which is fine. And that looks cool, but I just like big gaudy bullshit, special packaging. And it seemed like one of those things that would have been like easy money. Like they just left money on the fucking table. Cause they could. I don't know. Yeah, they, they, it could have been a different set, too. Like, I have uh, the Dexter box set and for on DVD, and that comes in, like, a blood slide case. Now, if you get the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray had a completely different set type thing to where it was basically um, it was something that I don't know the exact word for because he was a blood spanner, blood spatter analysis. To where mm-hmm. if he wanted to see how, like, if you hit somebody in the head with a bat or, like, how the blood would splatter. Like, that, it was, like, this kind of, like, mannequin type thing, but it was all white. And it's, like, this, it was, the, like, the shoulder up of one of those with, oh. like, with the discs in it. 
So like, kind of like what you were saying, like they, yeah, they could have done the comic book box set and then done, okay, here's this other set or even going with uh, like Ninja Turtles. Uh, you, they had a, uh, a box set that was like a regular like case, like a nice big thick book, or they had one that was the party wagon. Right. So you, like, do you want one that's going to fit in your case perfectly? Which half the time is what I really like. But do you have this one that like really looks cool and would look good with like, if you have like a certain collection. So yeah, that, that would be really cool. Right. And I mean, I know that all that stuff, like there was a cost to make it, but also like there is some shit that came out in that time period where I know that that, that special packaging shit wasn't costing them that much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a there's a dude coffin joe do you know who coffin joe is no yeah most people don't know who coffin joe is coffin joe was a a brazilian horror movie director uh who who made he he was more than a director he's a producer and a writer and he was like a an orson welles type i'm doing this whole production myself coffin joe and in that time period, there was a Coffin Joe box set that sort of looked like the Misfits box set, where it was like coffin shaped, like the Misfits, uh, like that best of box set. They're the the complete Misfits set. Yeah. Uh, but that Coffin Joe box had like a a fucking nice wooden box and shit. Uh, and nobody knew who the fuck Coffin Joe was. Like I don't even know how. Like the. I think that thing was limited to like a thousand and I don't know that there were a thousand people that let me look at what mine says on the back. Oh, it was limited to 10,000. I don't know that there are 10,000 people in the world who care about coffin Joe movies, but, uh, yeah. So I just, if that could exist, right. Mm -hmm. If there was like a wild box set for coffin Joe, I just don't understand how that tales from the crypt set never happened. And it still hasn't to this day. There's never been an opportunity where you could just buy like the whole series at once. I mean, no, they have a, they have a regular box set, but it's, do they now? They've had a, they didn't used to, they use, it was still just individual series, individual seasons. It's the, it's the, one of those uh, types of box set where it's the individual seasons in a box. You know what I mean? So it's just the same seasons you would have. It's the same thing. They just put it in an extra box. Yeah. Well, that's dumb. I mean, it's still it's still a box set, but that's just some more cardboard. That's just like <laughs> here's some more packaging to put your packaging in. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, that's enough of my fucking cratchety <laughs> old man ranting about a dead media. Just stream it. Everything's streaming now, anyway. Fuck yeah. it. Except Tales from the Crypt. You can't go just stream it. I think maybe on Prime. I thought it was on Prime, but I don't know if it's like buy it on Prime or just. Amazon. I'll tell you what. It, it up I'll tell you what is on Prime for sure is Tales from the Crypt Keeper, the cartoon. Yeah. Okay. I got. I want to revisit that. I. I remember. I vaguely remember watching it. What I remember more than anything is I actually had like one or two of the figures. Yeah, the toys were. They were yeah. cool toys from that. They were very cool toys from that. Uh, I. I still have a couple. I have a couple of carded toys from that. I have like the fucking werewolf guy. And I think I have the, the, the keeper. I had one or two of the Crypt Keeper, like the one where he's in like, uh, I want to call it like kind of like a monk robe, whatever you would call that exactly. But yeah, 
Like I, I know I had that one and I, there's another one that I've seen. I'm like that. I, I believe I've had before, but I, the one that I remember is the other one. I think like for me, for someone who was never really huge into horror, like when I was younger, like I liked tales from the crypt and there were a handful of like horror movies I remember watching, but I it didn't like last with me. Oh dude. I was, I was hooked young. Yeah. I fucking, I loved horror movies. Like I, I was scared shitless of some of them as a kid, but I, I fucking loved them. And I think it started with just like being shown stuff that was like appropriately scary. Right. So mm-hmm. like, uh, when I was probably like three or four, I saw Frankenstein and Dracula and the mummy and the creature from the black lagoon. And that shit those old universal movies when you're like four it's those are all about like mood and like dialogue doesn't really matter to you so you don't really need to understand Mm. other than like the basics of those stories which you can get the gist of as a kid um those movies are made in that way where you don't really the dialogue's there to help drive the story but you can kind of piece it together just with the visual images um and those movies like look really cool and they all have like that like got almost like gothic castle setting in a lot of them so it just puts that like or like the village like that village from frankenstein's real like old-timey village uh so like that that shit's that was like my entry point man and then from there like long before i should have seen a bunch of shit i saw a bunch of shit like i was less than 10 when i saw uh friday the 13th part four a hundred percent less than 10 probably like eight years old eight or nine i remember the reason i didn't get into friday the 13th as much was because of uh my first friday the 13th i watched was uh jason goes to hell oh well that i mean that's a good way to not like a series i mean especially if you i was young especially if you how old were you when you saw jason goes to hell what year did it come out because i I saw it on rental so it's going to be like after a certain point but like i was I think that movie's 94, 95. Let me look. I know it seems that way on my show sometimes, but I'm not quite as encyclopedic as I seem like I am. I can get pretty close, but... I mean, it feels like an early... 93. Okay, 93, Jason Goes to Hell. Okay, let's say I saw it in 94. So in 94, I was 8. Oh, yeah. That's that's rough for an 8-year-old, yep. And then that's rough. I saw uh, Brim Stoker's Dracula in the theater. Now, see, that is a movie. There's a little bit of stuff in that that might not be kid appropriate, but uh, that's another example of a movie that, like, is great for kids and that it, like, has a very, like, a setting that presents itself in in a horror way, mm-hmm. like, that can translate to a kid where, like, I don't know that Texas Chainsaw translates to a kid. Yeah. Like, oh, they're on a farm. What's scary about a farm? You know? Yeah. But like those those things where the the setting is scary, the the everything, the whole presentation is in that way. Mm-hmm. That stuff is the stuff that hooked me as a kid. Uh, like it translated even into like the cartoons I watched. Like I like Scooby Doo because there were like ghosts and spooky castles and shit. Uh I like when like the fucking uh, the the Toxic Crusaders shit was on. I love that stuff. Toxic Avenger is a movie that is on my list and I want to watch it 
this year because I I bought it at some point, and it's partially because growing up on Toxic Crusaders, like I know that it isn't necessarily the same thing because obviously they took a rated R property and made it a kid show, but just to watch that original property once. Dude, I love that it exists in those two worlds simultaneously. Because, like, as a as a kid, by the time I was watching Toxic Crusaders, if I hadn't seen Toxic Avenger already, I saw it shortly after. I'm not sure which led into the other. It very well might have been that I saw Toxic Crusaders, and then that made me add Toxic Avenger to my, you know, whatever movies I was going to rent that week. Mm-hmm. But... I knew as a kid that like, oh man, this is different than the movie Toxic Avenger. Like Toxic Avenger movie guy is not, that's totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's cool. I think it's, it's the adaptability of that, that character. You know what I mean? That it could kind of live in two different worlds successfully. Well, as successfully as it was, it had a fucking toy line. So it had to be somewhat successful. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool to like look back at a lot of the properties that were around at that time, like the early nineties that were rated R, but they turned into a children's cartoon to when, when you get older that you can like go and like check out whatever that property is. Like one, I just watched a video on the history of attack of the killer tomatoes. I remember watching that cartoon and I knew they were movies somewhat based on it, like as a kid, but like, obviously I had no interest in ever watching them. But now as I'm older and like, especially like rewatching that on YouTube, I was like, oh man, I should really visit some of these movies because I did like the cartoon, even though I know they won't connect the same way. It's just like, let's see what the source material was and visit that. And hearing just the history of how they came up with Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but it was around that time that they made stupid movies like that. Well, dude, I mean, they've. I don't know that they ever stopped making stupid movies like that. Charles Band still exists. He's made an entire career off making stupid movies like that. <laughs> like those movies, his movies, Charles Band is amazing. I don't know if you're familiar with him, man, if you yeah. know who I'm talking about, but the dude who owned, he made, he owned full moon. Uh, full moon is like all the puppet master movies, uh, uh demonic toys, uh, it's also home to uh, erotic vampire series subspecies. Uh, they put out wild shit like Castle Freak. Uh, but they're also the company that eventually puts out like the Ginger Dead Man and Evil Bong and Santa Claus. And I think they might have also been Uncle Sam. Uh, they might not be Uncle Sam. But. Charles Band rules and his whole thing is making goofy shit like, you know, those killer tomatoes were where it's like the fucking evil bong, that kind of shit. So and now he's based out of Cleveland. He bought a a old mansion for pennies somewhere in Cleveland. And he's running full moon out of there, like studio and the offices, the whole thing. Yeah, I guess you're right that they still do make movies like that. I just maybe it's because like they don't. Maybe they don't get as big as they they would have back then. Oh no, they don't get big at all. Yeah. Fucking maybe at Walmart or maybe at you know what I mean. Probably straight to just, Netflix. Yeah, or, or wherever mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Wherever they can get it, or 
or just fucking digital period. I'm shocked that some of these companies are still making physical media. I mean, I'm glad they are. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see physical media die because physical media is important. Physical media means that nobody else is in control of what you have access to. Yeah. I love streaming. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love streaming, but people regularly say shit like, Oh man, I wish this was streaming, but it's not anywhere. It used to be here, but now it's not there anymore. And like that all comes down to like streaming rights and and this and that. But it also comes down to what these places, they all run off algorithms and they all have people that are just like crunching numbers all the time. Mm -hmm. And because it's gotten to be that kind of giant business, right? Mm -hmm. Like the business of Netflix, at some point we're going to get a documentary, probably not a Netflix documentary (laughs) uh, about Netflix and it's going to blow people's minds of like, because I imagine that the people who were equipped to make a company that was like, hey, uh, let's mail people DVDs. Just Let's just be like the world's biggest video store. Uh, I'm pretty sure those folks weren't equipped to be a movie studio. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think that's probably a jump, right? Like, so. Like, I just know that there's got to just be nightmarish shit behind the seat behind the scenes at Netflix. Like, that's just got to be a fucking absolute nightmare. Uh, but yeah, so like those folks can choose whether or not like they look at these algorithms. They look at the, the numbers that are given to them and it determines what they're going to put money into, what they're going to pay for the licensing rates to have out there. Um, and so some shit's always going to fall through the cracks. There's always going to be shit that, that is going to get lost. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time when like everything was getting released on DVD or if things weren't released on DVD, there were companies that strictly would go through and try to find old shit that had been released before on Laserdisc or VHS or Betamax or whatever, whatever its last physical media presence was. And they would get the rights and make sure there was a release on DVD to where at this point, I think probably 90% of everything that's ever existed since television, right? So there's probably there's old silent film shit that's gone. There's stuff that's just gone forever because the film stock's gone. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't saved, especially in television. If you're talking television before, like probably the mid sixties, there's a good chance that there are shows that just don't exist anymore. Like that film stock was just fucking thrown away. Oh yeah. There's, Uh, there's a chunk of doctor who episodes like from the original run that are, you know, missing because of, uh, how the BBC stored their film footage. Yeah. So, uh, with the advent of DVD, almost everything that has ever been released was released on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that like static record, right? Uh, but with streaming, there's shit that's just never going to find its way there. So if you want to have that shit, if you want to know about that shit, if you want to have access to see that shit, physical media still matters. Mm-hmm. I would still like, if I have, if I have my choice between just going on a streamer and being like, Oh, Hey, I can just click this button and this thing plays. Or if I have to go hunt for where the fuck my DVD of it is, 
and then the fucking DVD player remote hasn't been used in six months and the batteries are dead and you know <laughs> what how you know the cycle of bullshit that's going to go into me watching the DVD if I can just be like oh Hulu it's on there and hit play that's way better but I don't want to see physical media die out and I want to I, I still buy some occasionally just to make sure I'm funneling a little bit of money back into it mm-hmm. so that so that it doesn't just go away because companies go oh hey there's no there's no money in this anymore. Let's stop that. I think we do have the benefit of we have so much physical media that all of that is at least not going away, at least not anytime soon. You say that, but shit does, man. There's attrition to everything. So like that whole one man's trash is another man's treasure. You've got to understand, like, like put it into perspective that like right now we're not like that far removed from VHS. And when I say we're not that far removed from VHS, I mean that in my lifetime as an adult, my friends and I made horror movies that we made copies of and sold on VHS ourselves. And it wasn't looked at as like, Oh man, those guys are selling old VHS tapes. It was still like, it was a dying media, but it was still a valid media in like the early 2000s. Uh, and then really quickly around like 2005, 2000, maybe even 2004. Uh, but it wasn't in the stores anymore. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or it had its own like small little section. Two- like here's a shelf. I was going to say 2004, 2005. That's when it's like on its last leg and they're about, they're trying to get rid of shit. Sure. But you could still buy a VCR. Yeah. You could still walk into the store and buy one. And by like 2008, 2009, VHS tapes, you couldn't fucking give them away. Like, you could buy them so fucking cheap. Because why would you want to watch a VHS tape and a VCR that you got to fuck with tracking? And then you got to fucking worry about if it's going to eat the tape and blah, 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 blah. And there's a DVD player right here. And my fucking PlayStation's a DVD player. And I've got this fucking portable DVD player that somebody gave me for Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, oh, DVD, DVD, DVD. Everything. My computer takes a DVD. I can watch this thing anywhere. Yeah. Why do I care about this VHS tape? You could walk into thrift stores back then, and there would be a stack of VCRs. They would quit taking VCRs. You couldn't give them away. You could buy. You could have bought VCRs a dollar a piece, and somebody did. I'm sure somebody hoarded those motherfuckers and has flipped them for ridiculous money. Yeah. But I never assumed VHS tapes were going to have this like weird collector revival that they have because they were so common. You know, they were just everywhere. There were so many VHS tapes and so many things had so many copies and the where like they weren't. It wasn't the best way to watch a movie, mm-hmm. you know, and most of it was in like the the aspect ratio for an old time television, not you know, widescreen, mm-hmm. you know, you, there were very specific VHS you had to buy if you wanted to watch something in widescreen. Uh, so I, I just never saw any value to it, but I know a bunch of people who just like went every time there was like a video store that was going out of business, they would go raid them. They would go like yard sales constantly just buying VHS. tape. used to be able to buy them for like a quarter, 50 cents a piece at, at the exchange. Mm-hmm. They were just taking up space. Oh yeah. There was no real there was no real value to him. And you know, over time they became these weird collectors things. It's a it's a nostalgia mixed with whatever uh that increased this this whole VHS popularity. 
but it's wild to me what some of that shit sells for now and what I know in my lifetime I could have just like went and, and bought it like oh I could have had all of this for next to nothing but my point in all that is that like you say oh we have all these DVDs they're not going to go away some of those VHS tapes just got thrown the fuck away like all of this stuff eventually like gets in the hands of someone who doesn't want to deal with it doesn't know what it's worth and it just gets fucking thrown away um, or they get worn out or they break or they you know XYZ um so like and they're not making new ones you know Mm -hmm. so like it it all eventually goes away and dvds are going to hit that point too there's going to be that that point where like there's certain dvds certain stuff there weren't a lot of them to begin with so every time one of those goes away that thing gets exponentially rarer and with that rarity with collectors you know automatically increases value i think for me what i was trying to say was like that point can happen but the rate that it will take for and I'm saying all physical media to go away. That's, I mean, it would, it would take a lot, but so like, I'm not worried about, uh, Dr. Doolittle not being available or, or, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, but there's a bunch of movies that shit will always be on streaming anyway the stuff that that matters where like copies of it, having copies of it and it existing in physical media that matters are those little fringy movies. You know what I mean? Like right now there's a fucking horror movie. I love intruder. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of popped back up on streamers in the last six months, but for a long time it hasn't been on there and there aren't a lot of copies of it on DVD. I own one, uh, but you know, that movie could eventually just kind of get lost and it's more famous than a ton of movies that, you know, can just kind of get lost to, to time. So I don't know. I guess I don't know what my point in all that was <laughs> other than other than physical media fucking matters, I guess. Oh, yeah. But, well, like two examples of uh, stuff recently is number one. How long was could you not stream Bloodsport? Oh, dude, it was forever. Like you couldn't even, you couldn't even buy it digitally for a little while, too. No. I mean, you can pirate it. Yeah, that's the answer to all everything, too. Is oh, well, you can pirate it. Yeah. Um. You yes, you can. Uh. But like, yeah, Bloodsport was not available streaming in any legitimate legal way forever. And also, like going with like conversation that Pam and I have a lot, Spice World, it's still not streaming anywhere. Now she Dude, found son in, son-in-law was that thing for a long time. Yeah. It's another, another one. I watched it recently only cause I, I uh, th- think I had it on DVD. I think I had an old DVD copy, but yeah, I am as a VHS copy of that, that she bought off righteous Jesse. Nice. Yeah. I, the thing that I love about physical media is the fact that there are those things that either aren't streaming, whether it be music or movies that I know, like I can watch it no matter what, because I own it uh, or right. listen to it. Like for for an example, like you can listen to all of Kiss's catalog streaming, except for one album. Not that it's any good, but Sonic Boom. You have to have a physical copy of that because it is not streaming anywhere. And I I think I mean that's me not knowing anything, but I think it's because it was a Walmart exclusive release, and for some reason that's restricting it. Oh. I forgot there was that time period where Walmart got a bunch of people to be like, yeah, it's a good idea to let this fucking censoring company uh, be the only place that you can put our music out. Well, 
that's also Kiss and, you know, they don't really, they don't have a parental advisory album. Granted, there are some, like, maybe was it Psycho Circus and Revenge kind of get a little more edgier, but. Yeah, Revenge for sure. Um, I mean, but there were always, dude, I, you say that they don't have a parental advisory sticker, but I would like to point out that there are at least two songs on that first record about fucking anal sex. <laughs> Two, not one, two songs. So, like, yeah, do they say fuck? No, but they do talk about f- butt fucking. Doesn't get in multiple songs. <laughs> Doesn't there's, get ended off the album. Songs about fucking statutory rape on Kiss records. <laughs> Come on. So, like, that was always that was like a real performative thing with Walmart, where they just wanted to appeal to a certain demographic by being like, "Oh, we don't allow no fuck talk on the records at Walmart. We sell them good, clean Christian versions." Um, except, which is silly to me. It's it, it was always silly to me because there was you know you sell movies and you you're not selling a censored version of the rated R movie that's in the next aisle over. Mm-hmm. And if we're gonna really worry about what a fucking problem could be here, over in your your gun section, you have guns and ammo and like a fucking twenty two year old dude who's hung over. Yeah, like I don't know that he's gonna be the most discriminating as he sells shit to people. You know, I don't I don't know. Not that I'm anti-gun. That came off anti-gun. I'm not. Um, but yeah, just the hypocrisy of Walmart. I fucking hate Walmart. But yeah, being able to have like any type of thing that just because you can't find it on streaming, being able to have some way to watch it. I mean, that, yeah, and I that's, that's really important. Even I think it's super important. Even if you have to go as far back as VHS. The thing I like about VHS is if I want to watch a particular movie, I won't necessarily care the format it's in. If it's you know an aspect ratio thing, and my TV auto has an auto format, or it's giving me the square, which I'm fine with. But it's the ability to watch it for potentially like as cheap as possible. If it's, sure, if it's something well, I've I'm, never seen before. Right now, for me, a big thing is like so. I guess if the best way that a movie's available is uh, VHS, I will I will take that. Hopefully, it's not a pan and scan of it. Yeah. which that's just the fucking most miserable. That was one of the biggest selling points in, in DVDs was you were getting all of these actual, you know, 16 by nine ratios. You were getting movies in the, in the way they were supposed to be seen and seeing parts of movies you hadn't seen before, literally because those parts of the screen were cut off. But now that's a thing I think now that people take for granted is that like, Oh, when you watch a movie, you get to see it the same way it was in the theater on a fucking screen designed to look that way. Mm-hmm. Where like, you know, there are whole things that would get cut out of movies when you would watch them at home on VHS on an old square TV. I mean, that, that harkens back to a, an old debate of uh widescreen and whatever the other version was called. I don't remember anymore. Full screen. And, oh full yeah. Full screen. screen, screen. Yeah. Like I, I had an ex that anytime like she bought movies, like she bought full screen and I was a widescreen person to a point of like, I think I had some of the DVDs after the breakup, like in particular, like Saul, like I was going through the whole franchise and I was like, you know, full screen, full screen. I'm like, fuck this. Luckily these are super cheap at the exchange and I'm going to go buy widescreen versions of it now. But that's one that I feel bad for anybody who like still has any of those DVDs 
and full ha- screen DVDs. Yeah, and they're my, like my favorite were the people who couldn't wrap their head around how widescreen was showing you more of the picture. But there's they couldn't get their head around the fact. But there's bars at the top yeah. and the bottom of the screen. Like yeah, well, there's a bar on the left and right of the screen when you watch it that you're just not seeing. It's just not there. Like this is the full image. Film looks like this shape. Did we learn our shapes? <laughs> Let's talk about our shapes. This so, is a square. The way I always looked at it, like if you're watching something like that and you're like really concentrating on the bars, you're not watching the fucking movie. Like if you're just sitting down and watching whatever movie it is, like you won't be paying attention that you'll be paying attention to what you're watching. Right. And then eventually people, as it becomes common knowledge, accept it. But you have that weird period with all that kind of shit where there's that dude who's convinced he knows better. Yeah. And it's like, man, you can't fool me. I know. It says full screen. How can there be more than a full screen? Going to cheat me out of part of my screen for my money. <laughs> you know, you grew up in Ravenna. You know who that guy is. And I know multiple of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Other, other movies I've watched this year. Uh, I watched, yeah, What else have you watched, man? Uh, for the sit, sitting down for the first time and actually watching them all the way through uh, Child's Play 1 through 3. Oh, those are all good movies. I like all three of those. I think I seen two and three like on USA Network years ago. Like you definitely did. Like when I say years ago, I mean like I might have been like 12 or so and I wasn't necessarily watching it. My dad was, but I might have been in the room. So like there's certain things I, I halfway remembered, but if I were to have to tell you like what the plot lines were, I couldn't fucking tell you hot hot take for me when it comes to child's play and i don't think it's popular at all is that i prefer the background alone on the remake of child's play than the original i like the idea that it was chucky was programmed to be like that instead of the voodoo shit right well i mean in fairness and 1988 or 89 voodoo was more realistic than a robot yeah you know, like, yeah, I, I mean, I know, I know, but I feel like a lot of people like trash the the remake. I'm like, I get it, but I'm like, you know what? I really like that the background of that because it makes more sense. And I just the premise this dude was fired and then told, "Hey, uh, you're done after you make this doll." And then he goes, "Oh, oh, okay. I'm gonna fuck this thing up, make it the worst thing ever, and then I'm gonna kill myself." So you can't come get me. It's all on you, motherfuckers. Like, right? Fucking crazy. But definitely everything after that. Like, I, I like I understand why Child's Play is such a classic. Now I have to sit down and watch the the of Chucky movies, which we have we have the the box. Oh set. no, you don't. There's something in between the of Chucky movies and what you've seen. Or no, no, you're right. Yeah, what it's were the you? of Chucky's next? Yeah. No, it's the of Chucky's next. Yeah, Bride of Chucky. Seed of Chucky. Seed of Chucky. And then there's that bad one. Cult of Chucky. There's another one in there, too. Yeah, Cult of Chucky. There's an, Yeah, there's one in between that, too, I think. Yeah. And then there's a TV series. I wanna, I do the TV wanna, series is great. I've heard, I've heard good things. The TV series is fucking great. I have nothing but good things to say about that TV series. I haven't watched the second season yet. Like, I've been holding off. Because I wanted to make sure I had time to just like, I hate waiting for the next episode with some shit. Mm-hmm. 
some stuff I'm fine with it, but there are certain things where it's like, when I watch this, I just want to fucking watch it. So I kind of held back on season two of that show until I can just do it. Just watch the whole thing. Another movie I watched for the first time and I just watched it on Friday. The ring, the American ring or the Japanese ring. Yes. The American ring. Okay. American rings a good movie. I did do a deep dive of like checking out like kind of what the premise of the other sequels were don't mm-hmm. don't seem to be that that good but the original was well the uh, you know the original american one was pretty good i think because like when when that came out like i just wasn't caring about horror movies like i remember the hype around it and people watching and everything but i was just like oh okay you watch this video and you know you're gonna die in a week okay like it, I, it didn't intrigue me but like sitting down and watching i'm like oh there's kind of like a a mystery aspect of it because they're trying to figure out all these things about the video. So I'm like, Oh, like that was interesting. I really enjoyed it. Then I go to Ohio the next day and I find a VHS copy and I'm like, fuck it. I'm buying it. Oh, nice. Off that guy in the corner. Yeah. The guy that's always by Rick. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, uh, no, no, no. I got to You bought your shit off a different guy. Yeah. 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 The guy in the corner, I bought a credit kid part two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That guy back in the corner. I, man, I needed that one copy of Texas chainsaw he had, but I don't know. I just couldn't justify the price for what it was because it's not important. It's not like a media blasters cover and it's Mm -hmm. not like a big, a big porno box. It was just like one of the, the standard retail ones, but it's just one I didn't have. And it was a decent uh, condition, but the the thing that I liked about the case for the ring, it's like a clear plastic case Mm -hmm. instead of like, you know, cardboard. And like at, at this yeah. time, like this is like when DVDs are starting to become a thing. So like you got to find out like little ways to like stand out. Was it a clamshell case or is it a slide in slide in? It's a plastic sliding case. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have a couple of things that are in like those that are later things that are in those plastic clamshells. And those were usually for like if something was getting a, a widescreen release and it hadn't yet. And it was like a, a big deal. It would get one of those. But that's cool. I don't know that I ever noticed that that thing had a plastic like sleeve on it. I think they made a regular one because I mm. did see one later that same day. That was a, the case was definitely a little bit different. Uh, ironically enough, a friend of mine messaged me on Facebook, uh, actually Instagram said like, Hey, do you want any of these? And it was just all these pictures of some VHS tapes that either they had or someone they knew had. And the ring was in there. And I was like, of all the movies, that would be the only one I'd want. But I just bought it today. So, but, right. but it was clearly like a different case. I could tell it was like a regular cardboard one. Yeah. I was, you know, when that movie came out, I was at a very pretentious stage in my life <laughs> where I had like, I was hip to Japanese horror. So I had already seen the original, uh, same with like the grudge, all that stuff that got remade, all the Japanese stuff that got like American versions of it. At the time I was like, that's shitty. Who wants to watch an American version of it? It's, <laughs> it's shit. Just watch the Japanese version, and if you're unable to read, if you're illiterate, get the fucking overdub, you know? Um, And so, like, I get why they make an American version of it. People should watch whatever they like, whatever. Make your own choices. I I prefer the Japanese versions of all of those movies, but the American ones are fine. Uh, With the exception of, and it came a little bit later, and it's not a Japanese movie, but... Uh, Let the right one in is a good movie. Let me in is fucking garbage. Uh, and nobody should watch that. 
the American version of Let the Right One In was fucking really bad. Like, borderline not the same movie. I will take your word for it. Yeah, man. You should watch Let the Right One In. If you haven't seen Let the Right One In, boy, fix that. That movie's great. I finally got around to watching uh, Cabin in the Woods. That movie is very good. I like Cabin in the Woods. I wasn't sure what to expect with it. Like, when I always heard about uh, Sigourney Weaver in it, I always thought it was like this big twist that everything that was going on was, wasn't meant, uh, not nah, wasn't meant to happen, but you know, it was like staged or something. Right. And then find out like, no, that's pretty much how they like start off oh, the movie. Spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but they pretty much. Spoilers for a decade old movie. Yeah. Um, but they pretty much like let you know, like right off the rip, like, yeah, like this has all been like manufactured for these people. Right. So I, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And I picked that movie just because like the night before we watched Cabin Fever for the first time. Oh, dude, Cabin Fever. I used to catch a lot of flack from people I knew because I championed that movie to people. I would be like, they'd be like, Cabin Fever was fucking terrible. I'd be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, there's a bunch of shit in it that makes no sense. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> uh, it's got the the fucking girl in it was on one of those NBC uh, Saturday morning shows. One of the one of the later ones, right as that shit ended. Uh, she's like the closest thing to a celebrity that movie had in it. Uh, that movie has like that fucking terrible joke. Like there's the setup through the whole movie for that fucking terrible joke at the end. What's terrible? The guy joke? in the store. Oh yeah. I'm not gonna repeat that joke. Okay, yeah. Mm-mm. Well, no, I had to figure no, out what sir. you were talking about when you. But once you said the end of the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Because I thought there was like some other. Because there's some stuff related to that joke early in the movie where I'm like, ooh, that didn't age well. Yeah, it still didn't age well. Well, the no. joke itself didn't age well. The joke itself is aged poorly, at, at best poorly. It was what I'm saying. It it wasn't exactly that joke, but it was like when they were referring to that joke, there was other words they were yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where I was like, oh yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't use those words anymore. Like, uh, wasn't it that one where the? Oh yeah, no, you are thinking correctly, Summers. Yeah. And if Justin Summers, who was the Confederate commando once. Uh, realizes <laughs> that it's shit you shouldn't say. Um, no, not. But yeah, not, no. I. But Cabin Fever, man. I, I. There are a lot of things good about that movie. I don't like Eli Roth. I think Eli Roth went on to make uh, some really horrible movies, and and has just became a horrible shill. But I, I get that you got to make your money wherever you can make your money, and he came a long way from like working on Howard Stern's Private Parts to being like a. A horror movie guru. I think my only but, uh, my only issue with Cabin Fever was just not knowing the origin of the disease. But other than that, like, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, man, I like Cabin Fever. Um, I haven't watched it in a long time. Uh, but that I, I dug that movie. You know what movie I didn't like from around that same time, though? Was Wrong Turn. I always thought Wrong Turn was shitty. I thought it was like a missed opportunity where like that could have been a really good like new horror franchise. And I mean, it was a horror franchise. They made like six of those fucking movies, but they uh, they weren't a successful horror franchise. Yeah, they were just successful enough that they knew they could make a really small budget movie 
put it out with wrong turn on it and they were going to move X amount of copies. So it got to keep making useless sequels. But the second, uh, the second wrong turn movie wrong turn to dead end is one of the best horror movies of that time period. I cannot say enough good shit about wrong turn to dead end. It's like legitimately in my like top 20 horror movies of all time. Okay. Like the first one, the issues that I had with it were like, they made the hillbillies look like trolls. Like they didn't look believable. They, they looked like they didn't look inbred. They looked like they were fucking like bridge trolls. Um, and the second one, they still look a little ridiculous. I man, I I just think those movies could have been so fucking scary if it was just like a a weird inbred hillbilly family, but they didn't necessarily have to like look weird. They didn't have to have like fucking weird birth defects, you know? They just needed to be like sort of dumb mm-hmm. and easily led by someone who was older. And those movies could have been like legitimately scary and like built like a a real cult following around them. But instead we do get wrong turn to dead end starring Henry Rollins. And it is fucking amazing. He's like a survivalist game show host. And it's all set as like a fucking reality game show in the hills of West Virginia. It is fucking incredible. It has like one of the best gore scenes that I've ever seen in the beginning of it. Uh, it just fucking great, man. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Both you and anybody listening to this fucking uh, go watch wrong turn to dead end. It is good. I always feel bad because, uh, another movie I hadn't seen, but like I knew all about it or I knew of it type thing. Uh, little shop of horrors. So Little Shop of Horrors lives in that like weird zone of like, is it a horror movie? Isn't it? It's definitely a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely a comedy. It definitely has horror elements, right? So it kind of lives in a bunch of different worlds. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, yeah, there's enough horror in Little Shop of Horrors for it to, I think it, I think it can be counted as a, a horror movie. It's like in, in one of those like weird fringe categories. I mean, The Lost Boys is really sort of that too because it's not like if you just have horror comedy that's just its own thing right Mm -hmm. like there's a bunch there's a bunch of those but there are not a bunch there are like so like depending on how you want to slice it maybe four musical horror comedies and i'm not sure if there's enough comedy in repo the genetic opera for it to count as all three. I'm not sure if it's not just horror musical. Um, and I'm not sure that there's enough horror in Rocky horror for it not to just be like a musical comedy. Yeah. But then there's that. And then there's cannibal, the musical. So you've got like iconic thing, <laughs> iconic thing, two thousands schlocky attempted a thing that some people really love. And Trey Parker and Matt Stone's first movie. Yeah. It's like a it's like a real weird real weird combination of uh movies that make up just like those those are four and they're it. That's like I can't think of any others, can you? That are 
comedy horror musical. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a weird niche. Like it's a very weird niche. I mean, there are other horror musicals. Like I just Google this and I'm like one name in particular, I was like, oh shit, that is a fucking horror musical. But for some reason I just never put two and two together. That's Phantom of the Opera. That's a horror musical, not a lot of comedy in Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Um, another one of my favorite movies is Phantom of the Paradise. I guess it would probably be the fifth in the horror, because there's enough comedy, I think, in Phantom of the Paradise that it's not just a horror musical. Mm-hmm. I think it might be a horror musical comedy. Phantom of the Paradise is another fantastic movie. But yeah, Phantom of the Opera is like the original uh horror musical yeah i think i i forget that it's even horror even though like i own the universal monsters phantom of the opera like the the later one that was in color Mm -hmm. but i like in our like we have our setup uh we have two bookshelves one is all horror and the other one is everything else and i i believe i have phantom of the opera with everything else so now I gotta move. Yeah, it. I, I gotta move it over. And I didn't even think about my it. My brain instantly puts that with musicals. Yeah, you know that's just. Well, like I it's, think not, it's because of its notoriety as you know the time it's spent as one. But it's like for for the way I categorize it, like it's if it's some type of horror, it's in that section. Like I have Casper in that section. I have Monster I mean, House. A ghost. What's that? I, I mean, I said I mean he is a ghost. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out other ones like Beetlejuice is in there too. Well, he's he's dead. Uh, Beetlejuice has enough horror to it. Tim Tim Burton is such a weird thing where he gets associated. I guess that's another like stepping in point to horror for a lot of people. Yeah, is Tim Burton, and it's weird to me because like there are things that Tim Burton has done that I think are really good, and I think you have to kind of look at some of his shit and separate him from it at this point because. Now he has spent all of this time tainting what Tim Burton is. Mm. But if you can really focus in on when he made some of this shit, he made really good, really original stuff that had like a different tilt to it than what anybody else was making at the time. Like with the original Frank and Weenie, not the one that came later. The one that came later is fine too. But the original one and then going into like Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, both of those like as far as imagery and and casting and character development and the way things looked uh, and, and just everything about those two movies was such an original, interesting voice uh, in, in kind of like the edge of horror. And then... You know, it all kind of devolves mm. from there. <laughs> like he does the Batman movies and makes like semi the serious Batman that now does not track as that. <laughs> uh, and then, like to me, the big stepping off point is the thing that the the what is probably the entry point for a lot of people is uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, which I do not. I'm not into that at all. Uh, it's a feat in stop motion animation. It looks beautiful. Uh, I don't ever need to watch it <laughs> ever again. Saw it like more times than I would ever need to uh, for various reasons. But 
that from for me there that's when like he starts to become tim burton and he tim burton's everything that he touches mm-hmm. uh i think he's got like one good thing after that and it's big fish fuck yeah uh, love big fish every, big fish is great big fish is tim burton uh being the things that are good about tim burton mm-hmm. uh he didn't try to be like super spooky tim burton and he didn't uh decide that he needed to cast uh, all of the same people that he'll cast and everything else. He can he can at least leave one out in that one. If that movie had had Johnny Depp in it, it would have been dog shit, but he managed to keep him out of that one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like, but that's a jumping in point for a lot of people is, is Tim Burton. And I, I'm I'm big pro Beetlejuice. That movie's fantastic. But that's what I'm saying. You've got to separate like, the art like there's real art that happens throughout mm. tim burton's career mixed in with all the schlock that he makes to sell shit and, and fucking make money you know what i don't have with my horror collection and i just realized like yeah that probably could go over there that's ghostbusters so that's another weird one right like i did a super fantastic episode on ghostbusters because i feel like there's enough horror to it that it counts. It's a, it's another great entry point for a kid. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it as a kid and like the ghost in the library scared the shit out of me when I was like six or seven, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that. So like, there's enough of that in those, those move, like specifically the first one, the yeah. second one maybe well, although the Vigo painting is pretty scary looking. Oh yeah. Kid, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but so, yeah, I would I would count that shit as horror. Like it's it's is it horror comedy? Yeah, it's definitely horror comedy, but there's there's definite horror in Ghostbusters. I it gets the it gets the pass for me. I think it's for me cuz I just think uh comedy and everything, but no, like it has the the horror elements and I was on that episode of uh, Super Fantastic with you. You were, you were. Um yeah, well, in horror comedy, man. I mean, that's a whole it's a huge genre. It's a huge chunk of horror uh, and might be my favorite. I mean, the shit me and my friends made were, were highly horror comedy. We didn't make like serious horror movies, you know? Uh, so that's, that's my favorite. That's like the sweet spot in horror for me. Like give me like fucking evil dead Two or Tucker and Dale versus evil or Shaun of the dead. I love that shit. The, I think one of the movies that are on my list for this year is uh, Army of Darkness because we seen Evil Dead one and two at uh, the drive-in. Uh, okay, I bought them. I think we have them on VHS too. But then now we have Army of Darkness, and I want to sit down and finish it out. Dude, Army of Darkness is this is not a popular statement because pure purists are going to be like, oh, well, the original Evil Dead is... Original Evil Dead's great. It's an achievement in low-budget filmmaking. It let Sam Raimi uh, put his stamp on shit, and it made a career for Bruce Campbell. Uh, Evil Dead 2, to me, is a better movie. (laughs) It's basically just remaking that same movie, only uh, allowing it to be funny, (laughs) and it made it a better movie. Uh, It didn't make it scary. Uh, but it made a better movie and army of darkness to me is like the sweet spot to me. It's my favorite because it's almost no horror. The horror that's in it is like ridiculous, like over the top shit. It's fucking walking skeletons like Ray Harryhausen fucking claymation skeletons and shit. 
It's fucking fantastic. Uh, it's hilarious. I love Army of Darkness. You're going to love Army of Darkness. If you've never seen it, man, it's just gonna, it's so good. There are so many little jokes in that movie. Uh, me and my friends used to be able to recite that movie like front to back. Cause that's the other thing, man. Now that like streaming's everywhere and whatever's whatever, you can just kind of watch everything. Right. So you don't end up doing that thing that at least was like a real thing for me in like the nineties and shit. And even into the early two thousands where like, if you owned a movie on VHS, you would just like watch that shit over and over and over where like there are movies that I have legitimately seen 50, 70, hundred times because we would just like play the shit on loop. You know, we would just like, Oh, let's watch that movie again. Oh, Hey, what do you want? Oh, let's just throw that on. Or you just throw it on in the background while you did other shit, but it was something to have on the TV, mm-hmm. you know? So like army of darkness was one of those movies. There's actually a bunch of different cuts of that movie. There's multiple different endings and there are points where there are like multiple takes of dialogue for different scenes that like depending on which cut of the movie you watch the ash says different shit that's cool yeah so like that's a movie that has like rewatchability in different ways where like oh well if i watch this cut of it it's this movie but if i watch this cut of it he says this here and this here and then the ending's this way so army of darkness great fucking movie yeah definitely have to uh, watch that this weekend then fast track that one yeah dude you'll love it you will fucking love army of darkness definitely like not up to the same level but i I, we just finished uh watching uh candy man 3 which candy man 3 yeah there's a three it was straight to video oh i know (laughs) i don't i don't know that i could tell you one fucking thing that happens in candy man 3 other than somebody certainly says his name a number of times and he shows up <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't tell you one thing that happens in that movie and i know i've seen it i think it made me appreciate one more because when i, I watched one and two i was trying to figure out which version of candy man i liked more yeah because in in the original just that idea that you know, Candyman is going to frame you for a bunch of fucking murders. Yeah. But, the, but in two, I, I did like the idea that he's a, in a way he's a, a different slasher to where he will go for other, he'll try to kill other people, but not necessarily pin it on you. And that, that's kind of what three was like. And I was like, yeah, I think I've, I've now watching two movies like that. Give me that. I'm going to make it look like you killed all these people time after time. And like, you're going to go to, go to jail you're gonna go to like a sane asylum because all the evidence is gonna be you i'm not and i'm nothing yet like so fucking good and i do like when they did the remake they found a way to make it to where the original was still like somewhat canon yeah yeah the Candyman series i think is underrated a little bit Mm -hmm. i used to love so like the shine was kind of off Candyman at the time that like my friends and I were doing horror movie conventions, pushing our shit. And I loved how like Tony Todd would be on those shows and have like, he would regularly have like a line and people stoked to see him 
And like it had been forever since there had been any kind of Candyman movie that fucking mattered, you know. Yeah. Uh, but he was still like, man, Tony Todd, and he's a good dude too. Like the interactions I ever had with him, he was fucking cool. So uh, under underappreciated, even with the love that he was getting in that way, I think that original Candyman movie is super underappreciated. Like in the greater scheme of things, I like I think. I think Candyman hangs in that same conversation with like maybe not like there's the you know those the big uh the big boys of like slasher film. I think Candyman hangs at least solidly in that next level down like with Chucky and shit. Yeah. You know, where like there's a regard to it. Uh I like those Candyman movies a lot. I like the remake a lot and I didn't think I would. My big, my big thing with the remake was just like, how are you going to make this like, kind of like make sense? Cause I do, I did know that like the original was in there and how they wrapped it together. I'm like, Ooh, I really like that. So if they want to do sequels, they could have it make sense, but that, I don't think they necessarily need to. I like just bringing back Candyman because I think when like you, we talk about like, you know, the big boys, the slashers, like everybody will always think of those, those guys. And even like people like Chucky has lived on for so long Candyman like literally like lived in the nineties and then after that, you know, wasn't really thought about much. But- yeah, man. And so the, so like figure it's the early two thousands when we're doing those shows, that Tony Todd's on. Right. Mm-hmm. So like he was no, but he's a dude who worked in a lot of other stuff too. He didn't let himself uh, be pigeonholed yeah. into just being uh, the Candyman, which Robert England had a tough fight. You know what I mean? Like Robert England's a good actor, but he would go to auditions and he was fucking Freddy Krueger. Right. So how's he going to get a different job? People just see him as Freddy Krueger. Tony Todd avoided that, which is cool. Trying to say Robert England didn't have a good movie in the Mangler. Oh, come on, man. I didn't say that he wasn't a good actor. <laughs> I just want to just saying. I just want to bring up Robert, the Mangler. Robert England should have been in shit that was w- way bigger than the Mangler. You know, he, Robert England was uh, a good actor uh, who just didn't get a lot of work. Wes Craven did him, honestly, Wes Craven did him a big solid with Scream. Or, I'm sorry, that's not the one he was in. That was Winkler in Scream. Uh, what was he the principal in? The Faculty? I've never seen The Faculty. I think we own it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I misspoke. Wes Craven didn't do him any fucking favors other than making him Freddy Krueger. Because, yeah, that's Winkler in Scream. Yeah. Uh, I think the Mangler was the last horror movie, like as a kid, that like kind of fucked me up. And my dad like randomly bought that on uh, or rented it on pay per view. And I remember watching it. And, like I don't know, like it just I don't mess with me just because like there was this you know fucking inanimate object, this uh, laundry press just comes alive. I don't know, like as a kid that that, that fucked with me. When I w- went back and rewatched it like a few years ago, I was like, oh, it ain't so bad. Yeah, the Mangler isn't isn't rough. It was Urban Legend. Oh, okay. Urban Legend was the the 2000s teen horror where he was the he was a professor. I thought he was the principal. He was the professor. Um, but that was like one of the few times he. If you look at his IMDb, it's not a lot of opportunities for him that weren't horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was. I like truly. I think Robert England was a really good actor who just didn't get a lot of opportunities. But I mean, he, I'm sure he is, has no issues 
with the kind of money that he could put down just scribbling on a piece of paper because he was Freddy Krueger. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean that's fucking typecast. And I was just reading something on uh, Bela Lugosi, and that's what you know he fucking suffered from too. Like after he was Dracula, it was really hard to get out of that fucking shadow. Yeah, I mean, how, how could you? To the point of like he redefined what Dracula was. Yeah, absolutely. In in my mind, that is like still to this day. That's if if somebody says Dracula, that's what I picture. I don't picture the '90s Bram Stoker's Dracula. I picture Bela Lugosi Dracula. All right, and I didn't realize that he did that in that same year. Robert Englund, man, uh, you know those Nightmare on Elm Street movies were big, like huge movies, right? Yeah. Uh, and Freddy versus Jason was still like, that was a huge deal. That was a big movie. When that came out, that was a big fucking deal. But within two years of that movie, he's doing like 2001 maniacs. And he did these, both of these movies are very good, but he did hatchet and behind the mask, uh, the rise of Leslie Vernon. He was in both of those movies in 2006. And those are like, not low budget, but they're not big budget, you know? I think both of those were maybe fucking direct-to-video. It's just wild to me. That reminds me, they they were going to do, what, Candyman versus Mike Myers? No, they were never really. I mean, so in that time period, I think there were a lot of studios who were just kind of grasping at like, oh, that thing made a bunch of fucking money. What two guys can we put against each other? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and there were like a bunch of rumors of shit. But I, I don't know that there was ever a real conversation about any of that stuff where it was just like, you know, there were rumors that there was going to be like a pinhead versus Michael Myers. Uh, because I think Dimension had both of those at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, there was talk about putting somehow putting like Ash into that shit too. Mm-hmm. Um, people got real thirsty for trying to make that shit happen, and and there were a lot of rumors. But I don't know that any of it was ever anything where there was more than just a, oh hey, what if we did this discussion mm-hmm. about it? You know what I mean? I don't know that any of that was ever in any stage of actually existing. Other than a Freddy versus Jason 2, which I think probably would have happened. But sometime right around then or shortly thereafter is when the beginnings of all the legal issues with Friday the 13th started. Where like who owns it, who owns what character, you know, how can, you know, and the the original writers in a a case against the the original producer of Sean Cunningham, uh, where... Now I think the way it got hashed out is the original writer owns uh, Friday the 13th, or at least at that time he owned Friday the 13th and he owned Jason Voorhees, the child and the mother is the killer. But Sean Cunningham owned Jason Voorhees, the star of two and beyond, uh, and so I think that has, I, I loosely, there's been news about that lately. And I think that's sort of been hashed out and there might be a new one coming finally the 13th one. Uh, but that's also part of what fucked that video game up was all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that whole franchise has been in licensing hell basically since that 
uh, remake or the relaunch or whatever that whatever that 2009 uh, Friday the 13th was. Yep, I remember seeing that one in the theater. But I don't, oh, remember, yeah. I don't remember a fucking thing about it. All I remember is walking out of it thinking, wow, Jason's an angry pot farmer now. But I really couldn't tell you anything else that happens in that movie. I remember that he like moved in tunnels or something, and that's why he was able to catch up to people. Yeah. I don't know. It's a bad movie. It's not a good movie. Uh, Never Hike Alone is like a fan-made thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some real good, like, that's the a weird result um, that is a little more on par with, like, some of the shit that uh, I worked on where it's, like, micro-budget shit. Uh, but there are some folks who, like, in the wake of Friday the 13th, not having uh, any movies come out for a very long time, a lot of, like, fan films sort of started happening. We're like, oh, well, if there's a fight over these fucking characters, I'm just going to fucking use them and make, you know, shit that goes straight to YouTube or whatever with it. And uh, Never Hike Alone is good. Like, there's a few good things that came out of that stuff. But they're, like... You know, a lot of them are short, they're like 20 minute shorts, 15 minute shorts, things like that. Uh, but there's some good stuff out there that's like fan made uh, Jason Voorhees shit. I think I'm down to only two Friday the 13th that I haven't seen on that takes Manhattan and X. Oh, man, you saved you saved one of my favorites for the end. You'll be happy. Or you won't. People hate that fucking movie. I love it. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I, I'm saving it for the end. It's just I've seen Jason Goes to Hell. Mm-hmm. I've seen uh, Freddy versus Jason. And then we started from the beginning and worked our way up. And I'm not going to rewatch Goes to Hell. So obviously yeah, skipping well, that. Why would you? Why, why would you? Well, I, I, did, um, a, I did a couple <laughs> years ago for the first time since I was little. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I say that, but I just rewatched it a few years ago too, and I'm gonna have to rewatch it again eventually. Uh, I know, so, uh, but I'm not looking forward to it. Jason X is fun. Mm-hmm. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It gets a little bit of hate, justifiably, I guess. But I think Jason X is fine. Uh, but takes Manhattan is like, man, that's like top three for me. I fucking love that movie. Only thing I hate about it is I already kind of know the twist. The twist? I don't know. What, do I want Do I want to call it the twist or not? But the fact that it's not Jason. In what movie? Takes Manhattan. Isn't that? That's. No. That's that bl- most certainly Jason Voorhees. Takes a cruise ship. Takes it all the way from a lake to New York City. <laughs> Makes but, but fucking I thought, zero sense. But I, I, thought it, it. I thought it was because it was. Uh, it had the blue marks on it that it wasn't actually Jason. Nah, I don't. I mean, five is Roy. Five isn't Jason. Five's a mess. And like, I've came around on five a lot over the years. But yeah, five's the one where it's not. Eight is Jason Voorhees. Eight is Kane Hodder playing Jason Voorhees on a boat for a movie that's called Jason Takes Manhattan. Jason takes a long time to get to Manhattan. He is on that fucking boat for like three quarters of the movie. Okay, then I I, I knew wrong. But it, it's the one with the blue marks, right? The blue marks are in five. Okay, I mean, we, I don't... Hmm. I'm going to figure out whether we skipped over that. I don't think we did. I got to double check. Because 
maybe it's like the mistake that we only watch Friday the 13th movies on Friday the 13th and then an additional one in October. So there's like so much time in between. I'm like, did I watch that one? Jason, Jason takes Manhattan. I just double checked because I was like, is there somehow that I've missed in all of these years that he has blue marks on his mask in eight? Uh, no, they are certainly red. Uh, okay. And it's the weird mask that he has in eight. It's more bubbly on the nose. Uh, but yeah, five is the blue mask. Five's Roy. Spoilers for anybody who's worried about a 40-year-old movie. Uh, yeah, five is Roy, whose son was killed. So he's going to exact some revenge. But yeah, eight's, eight's one of my favorites, man. Eight's ridiculous. Eight it hits like the fucking sweet spot for me on Friday the 13th of this shit is like a parody of itself now. Uh, and the kills are pretty good. It has it has like the street punks in the movie listening to hip hop on a fucking giant boom box. And then Jason scares them. Uh, yeah. It's, there's a fucking scene with a dude who like tries like the hardest dude in all of Friday the 13th is the dude in part eight who tries to fucking fist fight him. It's the best. I love that movie. People talk shit on that movie and don't like it, but I, I like Jason takes Manhattan. It's a good movie. But if the one you actually haven't seen is five with Roy, that's a good movie too that I just spoiled for you. 40-year-old movie. You kind of already knew because you said you knew it wasn't uh, Jason. What's crazy is, like, pulling it up on my voodoo, it says, like, watch again, and I kind of don't remember. I don't know. It's easy to forget that you've seen part five. A lot of people, a lot of people's brain chooses to block trauma out. So maybe you've (laughs) blocked out that you saw part five. Um, Part five way plays up, like, the TNA, too. Yeah, like, which is cool, uh, you know, and nothing wrong with it, but uh, it it definitely plays on that side of it hard. But Jason takes Manhattan to me is just like it's damn near perfect. It would be the best Friday the Thirteenth movie if the the good folks behind the movies hadn't blessed us with part four and part six. Mm-hmm. But eight is eight is damn near perfect. All right, this is we're nearing two hours here. Uh, this has gone on far too long. I only wanted to go an hour, but we just went off on physical media and horror movies. Yeah, that's my fault for going on old man rants about physical media and shit. Tell us about that cloud you don't like. Oh, the cloud. That's where they store all my stuff. <laughs> uh, cool. How you want to close this thing out, man? Uh, Kind of like normal. Any uh, final thoughts or last minute plugs before we go? Do I have any last minute plugs? Well, I used to have a podcast. And on it, we used to talk about horror movies. And then I didn't do it for a year. Uh, And I am bringing it back. So um, either at the very end of this month, I haven't decided when I'm going to release the episode, but it is about to be recorded. Um, There's going to be a a return episode. And once it posts, uh, there's going to be essentially an episode every month going forward without breaks is at least the plan and i have the first uh, eight episodes already planned out and set up and scheduled so 
uh the show is back soon very very soon uh, and i had a few people um tell me over the past like few months that they missed the show being around and i think that's really fucking cool um i'm glad people missed it and shit so it is back super fantastic and all the other shit uh the chris chan shit is moving behind the pod van dam paywall ed announced the other day to me that he wanted to bring it back and i said okay uh, you know the the documentary stuff on youtube's back so he says if that's okay to be there we're okay to be there so i guess we're back to talking about chris chan so that's the stuff i got to plug it's been so long since you did a view view excuse episode uh there's been two view excuse movies that come out two what's the second one what are you considering the first one i'm considering clerks three the first one since the last time i did a a skewed didn't i don't remember when the last episode was but i thought that was before reboot no i have actively hated reboot the entire time that show's existed what year did reboot come out in the before times my dude okay i thought it came out 2020 no it existed in the before times there was a whole he went on tour with it and stuff and i was so excited that i didn't go after i saw the movie and realized I would have had to sit in a room with Kevin Smith right after I'd had to watch that. I would have paid a silly amount of money to have seen it. Man, so glad I didn't do that shit. Very glad I went and saw Clerks 3. But holy shit, Reboot's a terrible movie. Clerks 3 now available on digital. Yeah, go get yourself a copy. That's a good movie. Or since we talked a lot about physical media, I think physical media comes out November? Something like that. It's good. I, I think it's a Walmart exclusive, strangely. Wow. The irony there that Walmart, the place that formerly censored shit, yeah. puts out a movie that is almost entirely profanity. <laughs> the irony there is not lost on me. Sorry. <laughs> done with my political stances on censorship. Of course, you could find myself at Jay Summers 330 on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, much like you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook.com slash wrestling cheers, Twitter.com slash wrestling cheers, and Instagram.com slash wrestling cheers. Email if you so choose desire wrestling cheers at gmail.com. Like I said earlier in the show, please rate, review, and subscribe your Everless is Fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, or Podbean, wrestlingcheers.podbean.com. And all of those links are in the show notes and under the link tree link check out our podcast friends such as pod van dam super fantastic podcast it's evolution baby the indie cast sobros network biff radio gameworks podcast powerbomb jitsu spotlight series fully posable positively pro wrestling iwtv guide if you catch my grift at odds with wrestling marks with mics x over the pal driver podcast tornado tag podcast the Uncut Wrestling Podcast. This ends at prom and porch talk. And check out our other non-podcasting friends, such as The Mystery Men, Redline Radio, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, VHS Party Tonight on Instagram, Danger Zone Video in Juliet, Tennessee, Heart of Gold, Toy Hio Toy Show, Time Capsule Toys, Stay Tough, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, JCP Designs. Midwest Territory, Southern Underground Pro, and the official graphic designer of Wrestling Cheers, Moy Boy Designs. 
that will do it for us here on Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name. And uh, go out and watch a horror movie tonight. Later. It's the Wrestling Cheers. Get up on your feet. Praying in your day in the middle of the week. And you gotta love the show. Yeah, you know it holds a title for the best podcast. Talking wrestling in Ohio. Finishing a cold one. Take a load off. We ain't all about the prohibition like Josh. So we cheers. And then we sit back, other shows are in the trash, kinda like they Nick Stapp. Like the name is Matt Justice, wearing all the gold. Wrestling Cheers is coming to a close. The number one podcast going in the game. And one day, everybody's gonna know the name. It's the Wrestling Cheers. This is Platinum Max, signing off. Ohio, good night. The world, good night. We love you, we'll see you next week.